My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Ben Levitt. He's the owner of Bunny Media, an agency that helps businesses grow using YouTube and social media. He's also the host of the Creator's Tea podcast. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a Canadian-based entrepreneur. So I was born and raised in around Toronto. I just say Toronto because no one knows Canada unless they're from Canada. So I just say Toronto. Uh, and then as a kid, I always knew I wanted to be very entrepreneurial. Like when I was, I was definitely not a normal kid that way. When I was like seven or eight years old, people were like, what are you going to do for a living? And I was like, I'm going to go play pro football. And when I'm done, I'm going to run my own business. Like I knew that from the beginning. Uh, and then so I went through the conventional route to keep playing football. Uh, you got to go to college, go to university. And so I went to university and I was also in the internship program. And when I was in there, I studied marketing and I was just blown away by how at every internship, they expected us to be social media experts, but we learned nothing in the university about social media. Like I can't stress how little we learned. And it created this very weird dynamic and an obvious light bulb moment where I was just like, okay, hey, this is the clear and obvious route and a gap in the marketplace. So if they want me to be the social media guy, I'm interested in this anyways. So then I just became that guy. And so off of that, I started my agency in university. I started my podcast around the same time. And both have just snowballed through increased performance and understanding of the platforms. Then also just the natural benefits of a podcast and social media, they snowball, they compound like crazy. And everything that you've done to this point just helps you get bigger and, and uh, better wins in the future. Really cool. Really cool. So there's this new, it's new thing. A lot of young people are starting social media marketing agencies. Yes. What are your thoughts about so many people getting into it? And how do you stand out from the crowd? That is such a good question. Uh, it's so true. There, there's one quote that I love. I'm also a super competitive person, but there's always room for the best. And so if you're, if you truly love this and you're going to be the best, you'll always make money. It'll, nothing will ever be too saturated. It's not a thing unless you're not willing to do what it takes to win. Uh, but I do think that there's so many mistakes that a lot of new agency owners make, and I made all of them. And so many of my friends, because like they've seen my business's success, they've been like, oh, I want to start an agency. And they make the exact same mistakes that I made every time. And they don't listen to a word that I say. I'm like, dude, I wasted so much time and money and effort, but still like people have to go through it. So if you're listening to this and you want to start an agency, the biggest thing I would say is don't be a generalist. I think everyone's like, oh, I'm going to help everyone because they sell themselves this dream of, oh, there's, there's a billion small businesses. If I help all of them, I'm going to make so much money. That is a recipe to making $0 and hating your life. Uh, two, I'd say sell a value-driven service and ideally one that's specialized and very specific. So for my agency, there's almost we have almost no competition because we do something that is, is not covered by a lot of people, but it has a lot of high impact. So with us doing YouTube and podcasts for high ticket uh, service providers, course creators, and consultants, we know that any bit of performance we bring them has a very high potential impact. Plus people that run a very successful business, they're gonna value their time very highly. So if you're selling people that don't make a lot of money, how in the world can you expect them to pay a lot of money? 
And the issue is, and this is said time and time again, but like the difference between a $10,000 a month client or a 20 plus versus like someone who's paying you a thousand is like the 10,000 one won't bother you at all. They'll let you do your thing. And then the person who's mm -hmm. paying you a thousand will bug you all the time and expect the world. And once you give them the world, they're still complaining why they didn't get Jupiter and Saturn. Like it's just an impossible disaster. So those would be my biggest points. I still think there's a, it's a great business to go down though, because it's it can be very performance driven and there's very good margins in it too. So if you want to do it, take that advice and don't make the mistakes I made. How did you decide on the course and coaching niche? Yeah, so I kind of stumbled across that, but always thinking from the point of most leverage, right? And so working backwards from, I love social, particularly I love YouTube. There's not many people in the world that are good at YouTube. So how do I make it predictable to get people results that equal a lot of money? And so I was looking at people that are making a ton of money and people in the education space or high ticket service space are making so much money through YouTube and podcasts. And because oftentimes they have very little competition. And so I'm able to go to a business owner and say, Hey, like a client to you is worth how much? And sometimes it's, I've dealt with a surgeon who the average client to him was worth 30 or 40 grand. And so if I said to him, if, if I can get you an extra 10 to 15,000 people seeing your content that actually want to see it per month, like what would that mean to you? And almost always it's going to make financial sense. So I literally just work back from, hey, here's a solution that I want to provide. Who is it the most valuable to? That's where I went. And that's why we focus on that. Interesting. Very interesting. Have you tried any other niches or have you just, you, you pretty much stumbled upon and you're like, yep, this is it. The problem with other niches. So we do also help far more established big podcasts or big media brands. We help them as well. But the issue is much like the problem that I found early on my agency is that like a newer show or somebody in a different industry where the traffic isn't making a lot of money. It's tough for them to justify how much we want to make. Right. And then the value of our, our, uh, our offering. And so we can be doing the same thing for different people, but if the end result of that traffic isn't as valuable, we just, at the end of the day, aren't going to make as much money. So that was the whole thesis behind it. We do help some fairly large podcasts. But that's because they have the budget and the audience right. to then pay us. Uh, so to justify it. hundred percent. Why do you think that most creators are broke? Because they don't think about themselves as a business. I think too many people are just obsessed with vanity metrics and not about the bottom line or what they're actually trying to achieve. So many people want virality and virality is oftentimes not great for business success because think about what virality is by nature. For something to go viral, it has to reach a broad audience. How in the world are you going to monetize a really broad audience unless you have a very broad product or service and a broad product or service can't be expensive. So it's like, there are so many problems that you're creating through vir virality. I think people's indicators and like uh, their, their compasses are just off in terms of what they're doing. There's only two ways to make a lot of money as a creator. Your, your audience is either the business. So look at Mr. Beast. He has a mass audience. And then he's able to build very general brands off of that and fulfill that. That's how he'll become very, very rich. But there are so many more people that are predictably becoming very, very wealthy, wealthy as creators. And I'm saying that in quotes because they're creators, but they have businesses off of that content. Like that's, that's the biggest differentiator is that not enough people in the creator space view themselves as businesses. Because as a business, you will you know, from day one, it's cheaper to retain your own client and sell more things to your own client. So if you were thinking from a, as a business owner, as a creator, you'd be like, how do I make more money from the people who are already following me rather than obsessing about getting millions more, right? So I think it's a balance of everything, but it is really just the business first mindset that makes creators make a lot more money. And I think a, a big solution to that is either focus more from a business side or do what Mr. Beast did. So a lot of people, they look at Mr. Beast and, and they're like, oh, he's this great entrepreneur. And of course, 
he is to a degree, but really there's an agency that's that's funneling all of those brands. So he works with this agency called Night Media and they're the driving force. They build the whole team so that Mr. Beast only has to focus on what he's good at, which is the business. So you kind of have to decide, are you a, cre a pure creator from like an artist point of view where you just want to create? If that's the case, you got to find someone like Mr. Beast did, or you got to incorporate more business elements to actually make more money. Hmm, very interesting. Very interesting. Why YouTube specifically? Why do you, like, why is that your, your thing versus, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, LinkedIn? hundred <laughs> percent. It's hard, which is why I like it because most people quit, meaning there's far less competition for us because it is very difficult. It's all or nothing, which is tied to why it's hard. Either you get results or you don't. There's very little people that are getting moderate success uh, for what they're trying to achieve. And th three and four, it's the only platform where I watched content that actually changed my life. Like, I, like I genuinely changed my life. I, I can think back to, like, if I think back to Instagram sessions or TikTok sessions where I consume content, there's nothing that had a concrete change in my life. Whereas I can think to specific YouTube videos where I'm like, that YouTube video made me $10,000 or that YouTube video taught me X skill that brought me this, right? So I just think there's a huge impact. Podcasts are a lot like this too, but I just think the, the ability to go deeper, the search engine functionality in it, and then the longer form content is massive. And then also it sells because of all of those things, big business goes down on YouTube. And I think studying your own behavior makes a lot of sense. Like I was spending thousands of dollars on courses and I found them all through YouTube because I went there, I built a relationship with this person. I saw their expertise and I believe that they could deliver the result they're promising. So like how much, how is someone who's only getting 10 seconds of time with you per post going to convince you to buy a $10,000 product when they're competing right. against someone who gets an hour of your time per week. It just, it won't work and it won't happen. And then the search engine piece is another massive one because search engine traffic is super easy. Like it's really predictable. That's why our business can work so well is because I can predictably look at what's out there and very accurately estimate. I can bring in this many views to you that are going to be targeted per month. What does that mean to you? And it almost always makes financial sense. I mean, that it, it completely makes sense to me. I mean, if you're in the course world or you're a coach, people are going to buy from you based on your expertise. It's totally different if you have like an e-commerce store and 10 seconds of your audience's time is all you really need versus exactly. the course world where, you know, you kind of have to prove that you know your shit. 100%. You got to pick. Are you going to sell? If you want to make a lot of money, are you going to sell a ton of people, something that's not expensive or far less people, something that's very expensive? I think the latter is a lot easier. And that's why we built the business. Very interesting. What keeps you motivated? That's a deep question. Uh, what keeps <laughs> me motivated personally, I think, is the understanding of how lucky I am and we all are in terms of being born when we've been born. Because someone who had my mindset, if I was born like 40 or 50 years ago, I probably would not be able to live the life that I've, I would have wanted. And so just being grateful for that and trying to help as many people as possible see that for themselves. I've been very fortunate to, whether it be nature or nurture, I've always had the mindset thing figured out. Like I've always had internal belief. I've always thought if anyone can do it, I can do it. But I know that's what holds a lot of amazing people back from achieving amazing things. And so if I can help more people do that, that's what motivates me. Like that's why I wake up in the morning. That's why I talk to people with a lot of conviction and passion whenever I have the opportunity. Because I know that one conversation can change the way someone sees themselves in the world. And that can have a huge impact and a butterfly effect in terms of positive impact. So for the people who don't have those mindsets, how do you help them through that? How do you help them develop it? What do you tell them? What are your words of wisdom? 
so it's very one word I want to get it tattooed on me because it's so prevalent to life nuance right like nuance is what separates mediocre from excellence because the understanding that everything is different and being well-versed enough to understand the importance and the beauty of nuance. But from some general things that I would say is that you have, if you don't innately have confidence in yourself, you need to put yourself in an opportunity to earn confidence. And I think that's the biggest distinction is that people are like, I'm either a confident person or I'm not. First of all, it's a label. And second of all, it's a label that you could acquire if you wanted to. You have to put yourself in opportunities to get confidence. Biggest thing that transformed my life is I was an overweight kid who wasn't athletic, but I loved football. I went in, I was bad. I worked my ass off. I became very good. That changed the way that I saw everything because I quantifiably saw if I put in effort and I don't quit, I get results. And I think too few people have ever put themselves in that situation or more importantly, put themselves in that kind of situation for something they actually like and value. Everyone's achieved something, but if they don't attach the value to it, it's not going to change how they see themselves and their ability to achieve something. So I think that's the biggest one. And the second one I think a lot of people do is they innately look for why can't they do something versus why can like why why could they not do something? And so if like, if I look at people that I really look up to, I try to find the similarities that we have, not the differences. And so that can kind of be like, okay, well, I have this similar quality, but I could do this and that might be better. I think that's a, just a it's a framing problem, I think. Mm-hmm. So I've got to ask you with obviously it's, it's no surprise that, you know, the economy is not the best right now. How are you planning on staying afloat for one and two, what would you tell other people who are worried? The economy doesn't scare me at all. It's irrelevant because if you make someone money, you're immune to the economy. No one's going to fire you if you're making people money, right? Like, so the, even if there's like a slight pullback, they're not going to fire the person who's making the money. What's, what's going to go first is the things that you can't directly attach to monetary increase or, or uh, for the financials. So we, we make people money. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about that because that'd be a stupid financial and business decision to get rid of that. So unless the business goes under, there's no way they're going to fire someone who's making the money. So that'd be a simple way to become recession proof by building skills that are too valuable to let go. Very interesting. I like that answer. What is your focus going to be for the rest of 2023? So building out the agency, we've gotten to a good base and foundation. We're trying to build out the system so we can bring on a lot more clients because up until I just hired a salesperson for the first time ever, because we've been all inbound leads from content on the podcast and YouTube, which has been great. I've never had to pay a salesperson, but uh, it also, there's limits in terms of like how many people you can actually take on. So it's going to be expanding the core offering of Bunny Media, which is the YouTube agency. And then a big thing that we do is we try to reinvest all the profits that we make from the done for you services to build media assets that we own. So a bigger focus will be growing those out. So building out our, our different media assets with the understanding that we have and the team that we already have in place, helping clients, and then just reinvesting the profits into more stuff that we own. What do you wish that you knew back when you first started that you know now that you think would have sped up your success? There's so many things. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, if I had to pick just one, how far back are we talking? However far back you want to go. I, I think the biggest thing that I would do is is uh, trust your gut and your understanding and, and also understand the impact that anyone's opinion would have based on their life, right? So I think I did too, too often I listened to like my parents or my grandparents because of the what they were saying. And oftentimes people mean 
the best, but if they don't live in the world that you are living in currently, and they aren't trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve, they're probably doing more harm than good. And so mm -hmm. I would say I, I, I still did a lot of what I wanted to do, but I know there are certain things that I held back on truly committing on because I, I let too much external noise impact my decision-making process. And I, I wasted valuable time. Because if you look back at people who move quickly, they're always going to get disproportionate returns, especially when something's new. Like I always debated starting YouTube when I was still playing football, uh, but I waited and I waited. I made these excuses. I listened to other people and I, I waited. And had I started earlier, I would be exponentially more successful. Because if you look at the channels that started earlier, they're all way bigger, way more successful. They've reached a critical mass where they can do whatever they want with it. And I missed out on that early movers advantage from listening to too much noise. What is your biggest challenge today? My biggest challenge is one that I'm lucky to have because obviously it means we have opportunity, but it's prioritization because especially with the social media world, almost every day there's a business or a channel or a, a brand that I could theoretically start, right? Like I absolutely could and I could make it successful. But the problem is if you try to do a hundred things at once, none of them are going to work. And that's something that I think myself and any entrepreneur is really guilty of is the shiny object syndrome. And it's because mm -hmm. you know that you could do it theoretically, 100%, you could make it work, but you do have a finite amount of time. So I think that's, that's uh, my biggest struggle. And then to try to combat that, you, you have two choices. You either have to prioritize your time and pick like one or two things, or you have to get really good at hiring and finding people that can actually allow you to do those things. And only you contribute what you're otherworldly good at. And that's what I've been really trying to do, even within our core business, is bring on more people that can help facilitate the things that I'm good at and complement the things that I'm not. What are your tips, I guess, for tuning out the shiny object syndrome? It's hard, I know. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, it comes down to understanding what it is you're looking to achieve. So like, if it's, if it is just like pure financial goals, more often than not, it's almost always going to make more sense to focus on one thing because the bigger you make it, the more money you're going to make. I wouldn't say that I'm purely motivated by money. Plus I'm also playing a very, very long game. So I'm a little more content with spreading things out because I think collectively they'll all rise. But also if you look at anybody who has crazy levels of success, like let's say even a creator, for example, we'll go back to Mr. Beast. People look at Mr. Beast and they're like, oh, he's huge everywhere. Yes, but only through YouTube. Like he, he crushed it on YouTube. He did one thing absurdly well, so good that he then reached a critical mass where he could bring that everywhere. If people try to do that in five different places, they'll never reach that level of success because how could they when people like Mr. Beast are doubling down on one thing? So I really think about like prioritization. What do you want the most? What is your actual end goal? And are you doing things that are in alignment with that? And with this new project, this new shiny object, would that be in alignment? Would that help you get there? Or would that slow that down? Very interesting. I mean, it's always better. What, what it's this, what's the saying? It's jack of all trades is a master of none. Yes, precisely. All right. I would love to, let's, let's cover your podcast because we are slowly running out of time here. I know that it used to be called Do Dope Shit and then you rebranded to Creators Tea. Why did you rebrand it? Let's start with that. Yeah. So ironically, the name's been changed four times and uh, <laughs> this is now where it's going to stay as. It's just because it's, it was very um, tied to my story through life. Like I started it when I was in university. And so I try to think of a name that the person who would need the content would be attracted to 
but like maybe they don't typically listen to podcasts, but the name might get them to. And so I called it do dope shit because I was like, Hey, it, it, this could help the person who's like, Oh, I'm not big on entrepreneurship or whatever, but the title could bring them in. So I was like, we'll start there. And that worked to a degree, but then obviously with a name like that, it's pretty limiting in terms of like, it's, there's not really any focus and it's not very brandable in terms of like brand safety. And so then I, I changed it to, I changed it twice since. And now it's landed on creators T because I think that encompasses like the unique value of the show. So someone who works in the creator economy and the, the content business, I think it's a better way of putting it every single day. Like there's a lot of secrets within the business that if people understood, they could be making so much more money or enjoying their life so much more. And it almost seems like it's gatekeep by a lot of people. So like I call it like I'm spilling the tea on the content business. Mm. Like that, that's the thesis of the show. Uh, also the domain was available. So that, that, helped. <laughs> that definitely right. played a role. <laughs> But, uh, but I think it all just made sense for where I am, my unique value and, uh, and what we provide people. So you started this podcast back when you were in college. Um, yes. What was the intention behind starting the podcast? I think if you don't know what you're doing, a podcast is something that everyone should have. It instantly gives you a thing. And people love people who have a thing. Like they love to say, especially this is huge for guys. I'm not sure as sure with girls, but I, I literally saw this the other day where my friend was introducing me to new friends and he loved the fact that he could say like things about me that also elevated his social status. And so if you don't have a thing, it's really tough to like have easy identifiable value. And obviously we all have innate value, but if it's not easy to point out, it becomes harder to spread. And so if you are lost or you don't know where you're going, a podcast is a no brainer. You can start it for free. And it also, the biggest hack is and this is even greater if you're a student, you can pull the student card with this and you're going to get so many yeses. But this is this one sentence is what I always say to sell people on a podcast. If I were to DM someone successful and say, hey, so-and-so, can I pick your brain for an hour? The chances of me getting a yes is almost zero. Like I would say as close to zero as possible. But if I position it from, hey, so-and-so, I love what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. I look up to you for X, Y, and Z. I'd love to help you with X, Y, and Z and do that through my podcast where we'll record the hour long conversation and you'll be able to use the content for whatever you want to do with your socials. That's a total paradigm shift and you're going to get way more yeses. Plus those conversations will actually live on forever. And so I looked around, I was like second or third year university. And I was just like, this is all going to be over soon. And I'm not around the people that want to do the things that I want to do. And there weren't many of them in my general vicinity. So I went to the internet, I went to the podcast and I would, I would honestly suggest anyone to do the exact same because it was transformative for my life. I met my best friend through my podcast. I've met a ton of connections through my podcast. Uh, it's yeah. I could not say enough good things about podcasting and what it can do for your life. I completely agree. I completely agree. Cause then once you have a podcast and you offer, let's say, you know, a millionaire seven figure business owner, Hey, like I've got a podcast. I would love to interview you. Yeah. Come on the show. Then they feel good about themselves because they're like, oh, wow, like I'm doing pretty good. Like somebody wants to talk to me about my shit. It's like, OK, I'll do it. And then you form a connection that you you never would have been able to form otherwise. You can't overstress how much people love to talk about themselves uh, yes. and and the importance of just like what you said, like through that conversation that you would have never gotten otherwise you can create opportunities that would never have happened. So I always talk about content, like having a YouTube channel or having a podcast is leverage that you couldn't pay for. Like, because even if I went to this person and was like, I'll pay you X amount for the conversation, they're probably still going to say no. But there's this weird like paradigm shift of equitable value coming through and then feeling good about talking to them for themselves. Like mm -hmm. it just works so much better. Absolutely. What do you love the most about podcasting? 
as a creator of podcasts, I love the ability to go really deep on things. I think that's what I love the most is the fact that people will give you the time and attention to really go deep. And that's why I think the podcast audience, like anyone listening to the show is, is so valuable. And I was, I'm sure there's crazy studies of like links to success and people who listen to podcasts because in a, in a two second world, people who listen to an hour or two long show are going to learn things that no one else will because they're not investing the time. So I love that opportunity for, from podcasts uh, as a creator. And then as a, as a consumer, I guess it's the same thing. I love to be able to learn things and get access to people that we would never in a million years be able to get access to without this technology. Like if you look at Huberman labs, the fact that we can sit down and listen to this world leading scientist guy every single week for free, that is wild that like we would normally need to pay for a Stanford education to get access to. And now we're all getting it for free. I just think it is the, the ultimate equalizer in terms of transfer of education. And also the connection piece we talked about earlier, that's just, you can't stress that enough. The amount of people that you can meet and so easily, it's just, it's so awesome. I know. I completely agree. On the flip side, what have some of the biggest challenges been around growing your podcast? That's the biggest challenge with podcast period. So yeah. if you do want to grow it, understand that it is really, really hard. Like you either need money, skill, time and resources, and ideally a combination of all of them. <laughs> but at the very least, like the last three, because the biggest fundamental problem with podcast distribution is the discovery. Like almost no one finds new podcasts from like the podcast players. They do a terrible job of, of, of showing people new content. Like if you think about YouTube or you think about TikTok, you're constantly finding new things because the algorithm puts it in front of you. Podcasts just hasn't figured that out. And so you either need to get them there from like a paid ad on another podcast or getting featured on another podcast or content from other places. So you, you really have to be thoughtful about what you're doing. And so with that, I say really make sure you love this because you're probably going to do it for a while if you want success. And two, I think it can still be successful even if you're not making money for a very long time because there is value to the connections that you've made. Like if I tried to put a dollar figure on what I've made for my podcast, if I told the actual one, it'd be underselling the, in, like the other parts that came from that immense amounts of value. So I think that's yeah. really important to think about is like, okay, what's the value of knowing your best friend? Like, how do you put a dollar figure on that? Right. So, so it's like right. all these different things that would never have happened without said podcast, but they don't result in direct dollars and cents. So I think that's very, very important. Uh, and then also like be, be thoughtful and strategic though, because it's not impossible. Like you absolutely still can grow a show, but you're gonna have to put in effort. There's no, there's no free or easy way to do it. Right. Absolutely. Plus, I mean, having a podcast is a great way to build authority. So even if you're not making money off of it directly, you're yes. still, you're still providing value. You're still giving a place where potential clients can come and listen to you talk and figure out if you know your stuff or not. And I think that that's, that's hard to put a dollar amount on too. 100%. It's an asset. And what you do with that asset is, is up to you. How big it grows is based on your decisions and the things you do with it. But there are so many ways where it can be an asset. There's not many things that you can can say that about, right? Where it can be valuable for 101 different ways. I think too many of us get lost on simply downloads and simply dollars, where there's so much more that goes into value than those two metrics. Absolutely. All right, Ben, before we hop off, I've got one last question for you. If you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who currently runs a social media, an agency, anything like that, who has a podcast or would like to start a podcast or just entrepreneurship in general, if you had to give one piece of advice, what would it be? If you are running a podcast and you're not filming it, that'd be my first piece of advice is start filming it yesterday because uh, the video asset 
allows you to do so much off of that. And billion dollar companies are investing so much into podcasting and video is at the forefront of that investment. And so if you don't ride, if you don't follow the money, you're silly. So I think that's the biggest thing. If you have a podcast, if you're an entrepreneur in general, I think try to find the combination of where demand meets your unique skill set and interests. If you can find that intersection, you're going to love what you do. You're going to invest so much time that no one can beat you. And you're going to make a ton of money because a lot of times people were like, Oh, you couldn't do what you liked because there wasn't the money in it now. And obviously this, this will vary based on what your love is, but you can make a ton of money with almost anything that you like because of the advent of the internet and the access to a global population. So those would be the the advice, depending on your situation. Thank you so much, Ben. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Instagram DMs. I read those all the time. So my handle is just Ben Levitt, L-E-A-V-I-T-T underscore. Uh, you can reach out there or in my emails attached to that as well. So that's probably the easiest way if you want personal connection. And then I'm on YouTube at just Ben Levitt. The, the, the podcast is called Creators T and I'm on every other platform. It's just Ben Levitt as well. All right. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.